nine o'clock on the nose now on this Thursday, the 18th of June. And it is time for Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic here in mid-Missouri. As a reminder, you can catch Community Pulse Monday through Thursday live at 9 a.m. here on KOPN. All of our archive episodes can be found online at KOPN.org. We also post them daily to our Facebook page. Today on Community Pulse, we are so very pleased to welcome back uh, Councilman Michael Trapp. We'll be speaking with Dr. Elizabeth Alleman. If you'd like to hear their previous conversation, a very intriguing discussion on the homelessness situation here in Columbia that is archived on our website. So, Councilman Trapp returns. Good morning, sir, and good morning, Dr. Alleman. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for uh, being such a great engineer this morning. Um, I Before we get started, I want to just um, go through the numbers. Um, so we have worldwide um, um, about 8.5 million documented cases, uh, probably a vast underestimation, uh, especially as this uh, virus, this global pandemic, moves through uh, some resource-poor areas and places like um, uh, displaced persons uh, camps. Uh, we've got uh, documented uh, 4.2 million people recovering. The United States has uh, 2,236,000 uh, cases documented with 119,955,000 cases, so right at the verge of 120,000 cases with 900,000 people, almost a million people recovering um, and in Missouri, with Matthew Holloway's data, we are seeing increasing numbers with 17,422, uh, 290 new cases from yesterday. There's a um, statistically uh, high, rapid rise uh, down in the southwest part of the state in the Joplin area. Uh, things are increasing there in, you know, 40% increase in Jasper County. I do not know what's driving that. Um, with 926 deaths statewide, um, and our curve of new, you know, the plotting new cases per day over time, especially when it's seven-day averaged, we're looking at a seven-day average of 242 new cases in Missouri. Boone County um, has also had an increase in cases. Let's see if I can find that. Um, so we are, oh, where am I getting, oh, there it is. Uh, we have uh, 43 active cases, so 232 total positive cases, 187 have been released from a, uh, isolation with 43 active. Still, we're at two deaths, so it's just there's more virus uh, uh, um, existing um, in our community. Uh, the health department is um, pleased to report that most of those new cases are contacts of known cases, so we don't have as much sort of random community spread that we're not able to follow as we had been concerned we might have. That we know of so far. Um, but there are many communities that are not being tested uh, for reasons of uh, accessibility uh, based on many things. And one of them is the community of people who live outdoors or unhoused or sometimes called homeless. And that's why I really wanted to hear, uh, have Mike come back and um, talk to us about what's going on in the community that lives outdoors. Um, yeah, thank you, Dr. Allman. It's been, uh, you know, as far as I can tell, 
there's no been no indication that COVID has been um, is moving into the homelessness community. So we've certainly the economic disruption, the economic downturn, the increase of uh, people who are one paycheck away from homelessness who lost that paychecks, um, the disruption of restaurants, the library, and other places to get out of the heat, um, to get access to bathrooms and hand washing. Those have been huge and, and terrible impacts um, on our unhoused neighbors. Um, but thankfully, thus far, we haven't seen um, any kind of COVID spread. The When the uh, health department through the state did some community testing, um, there was one testing center focused on unhoused folks. Um, they did that at Turning Point, and a lot of folks got tested. So we got that one-inch snapshot and, um, and did not find any positive cases. So I've been, um, I've been pleased, pleased about that because, as I think, reflective of the, the lack of a conversation about it at the national level and our just kind of short attention span um, in America, um, that's magnified in the homeless community where there's even less kind of belief and concern about the disease. It's been harder to um, promote social distancing um, and mask wearing um, and hand washing hygiene. Um, that was always a challenge with low levels of information about the uh, about COVID, and um, there's even that's been even more um, pronounced. So, are you seeing an increase in the population, the numbers of people who are unhoused, Mike? Is that something that's happening in Central Missouri that you can tell? Oh, sure. I would okay. say um, it's gone up by at least a third. Um, there's a whole level new folks who don't have. Uh, you know, who are newly experiencing homelessness and don't have um, the, uh, the the ongoing survival skills and history of, of how to live outdoors without running afoul of the law. So we get a lot of reports of people um, camping on private land in areas that um, are not going to um, have the benign neglect that more established camps have um, right. because people aren't savvy to um, how to live outdoors without running afoul of the law. And there's no designated place where people can be. This is my big beef with Columbia City Government, and I've tried to address it. And uh, now that we have um, Pat Fowler replacing Clyde Ruffin, I'm going to try to address it again. I do not believe that the police should roust people um, from a campsite without telling them at least one place um, in Columbia where they can be. I think right. everyone has a right to exist, and we need a designated place where people can go and not be um, and not be molested. Um, to be able to lay their heads, um, to pitch a tent. I think that's the, the the barest minimal we can expect in civil society, and that barest minimal is not being met. And we have a situation akin to grapes of wrath, where we have our designated peacekeeping authority rousting people out and driving people on, and uh, it offends my sensibility and breaks my heart every day. Yeah. Um, so what are the barriers to solving this, um, Mike? A lack of political will at the political leadership. There's a feeling that homelessness is a chronic issue, that it's beyond our ability as a community to solve. Um, that homeless people lack agency and need intense supervision in order to not cause disruption and trouble. Um, so I've been trying to educate the community, demonstrating with pop-up projects that homeless folks can self-organize <clears throat> and with very little oversight and very little resources can keep themselves safe, can establish a place where they can help each other through mutual aid and help 
uh, move people out of homelessness and, and keep neighboring issues to a minimum level and manage their own situation. So we have a number of proof-of-concept projects to show that we don't need an intense level of staffing, that the social service model has proven inadequate. Um, I've seen a lot in the, you know, obviously policing is the, the least appropriate resource to address homelessness, um, and people put mental health and social services as the gold standard. They're inadequate to the purpose as well. They're filled with um, artificial barriers and bureaucratic processes that make them hard to access by the right. people who need those resources the most. We need another model of just of just taking the, 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 the boot off people's necks and giving them a place to be free and to have some safety and for allies and um, helping people to be able to find them, to give them the basics of hand washing and a safe place to lay their head and then have allies come in and point a direction and help, help people move into permanent housing in better situations. So the last time we talked, you had, you were, um, I think, in the midst of beginning a, um, you had a place where people were coming together to sleep in their cars. Am yeah, I, it's am called I, Car Camp, and yeah. uh, it's it's two things. It's um, it's a peer monitored, safer parking situation, and we maintain our safety by eyes on the streets by not being people. Homeless folks are vulnerable camping um, when they're on their own, but here we have um, lots of folks who are camping um, in their cars. Um, it's become you know more challenging as the weather's gotten hotter. It's uh, less a little less festive than it was a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. but it's it's significantly safer than the no alternative and um, best of luck finding a safe place to park model that uh, we we replaced. And then we also, CARC stands for, um, you know, uh, case management assessment and referral. So we're doing peer um, self-assessments and linking people with resources. And so we're supporting what I call dispersed campers, people who might be camped somewhere, um, you know, hidden in some um, undeveloped part of the city. We're supplying them with tents and supplies. And then our, our experienced survivor homeless folks are giving them sage advice about how to stay out of trouble and uh, protect themselves. And then we also have phone and Internet, so we're able to help people link with um, food stamps and benefits and following up with caseworkers. And so we've been nudging people into services and helping them move into um, permanent housing. There has been, you know, the city's response has not been nothing. They've, um, there's been federal funds, and we've, and we've reprioritized our funds to housing vouchers. And so there's been some new resources to help homeless folks. So we've been making sure that people are plugged into those systems and be able to access those resources. So it's, uh, we're done on an all-volunteer basis. Um, you know, we received a lot of donations in March, and we've kind of been using those resources, and um, and people have been generous with donating supplies. And but it's an all-volunteer effort, and uh, so we have car camp, and then we also have a we've established a safe camp facility um, in a in a in an inner city neighborhood. An African American church has, has let us use their backyard, where we have a I believe six individuals camping right now. Um, to, so they have access to hand washing, a safe place to camp. And then we also started a virtual shelter, the Boone County Community Trust, through the Family Worship Center acting as our fiscal sponsor, um, gave us a grant for hotel rooms so we're able to take up folks who are vulnerable and at risk on the street and be able to plug them into a hotel situation. The real bottleneck is kind of pro- project management and, and high-level case management because my brother John and I are doing 
all of that kind of higher level organizing. We have a, a, a small group of volunteers who are growing in capacity, um, and then we've also armed um, our homeless neighbors with with resources and training and to be able to help each other. Um, so we're able to maintain these three projects, but it's uh, it's a lot of work for a couple of volunteers. And, yeah, uh, I'm wondering about the sustainability of a model like that, Mike, <clears throat> if you've got volunteers. Well, um, y- yeah, I've... We're questioning, you know, how long we can stay in the pocket and do this because it's uh, emotionally draining work if you've, uh, and um, so we're trying to train people up and build capacity. Um, There's a hope that, you know, we feel like we can sustain this for a year. Uh, We're hoping that Car Camp can spin off to be a um, self-running, self-help program run by individuals who are homeless. Um, But but there's a big gap between where we're at and where we would need to be to have this be self-sustainable. Um, it's not sustainable for John and I. You know, we've um, because of COVID, um, we we've devoted our our lives to seeing that the that that this population is not decimated by the disease, and that it's used as a clarion call to talk about the fact that so many folks were in crisis before the economic downturn and the disruptions to the service system um, that that we've experienced, and so. Um, you know, but but we need institutional players to step up their game. Um, we need more uh, resources, and um, and and we can do a holding pattern, but we can't maintain this forever. And it's such a big gap because what we're doing is a combination of of recovery work, like akin to AA and and NA, that kind of self help of of Marcus Garvey or. Um, um, anarchy, uh, along with community organizing, um, along with some elements of traditional social services, domestic violence assessments and referrals, um, substance use disorders assessments, referrals, um, mental health management um, and referrals. Um, and so there's a big gap between some recent college graduates or college students, volunteers, and being able to do that kind of high-level organizing. So. Um, we need more people who this is their singular commitment um, and when want to do this kind of work on an ongoing basis. Um, you know, we're going to try to leave the ecosystem better than we found it, and we're going to try to get as many of our projects self-sustaining as we can. Um, but we both have, you know, uh, my my business partner and brother and organizing partner, John, he has a heart for ex-offenders. Um, we just kind of fell into homelessness work because of what was available, what we were doing as far as downtown outreach, um, already doing in the homeless sphere. And then the disease and its singular impact on homelessness um, has brought, you know, this, this, this temporary permanent response from us. But we can't, we can't sustain it. Um, no, you've got to run uh, a business. We need a lot more help. <laughs> Make a living yourself. Yeah, um, yeah there is that, too, because uh, yeah, it's, it's not it's like times the, for uh, consultants. Uh, right. The work that you do for pay is also important work in our community, so it's not like we can, you know, like, it's, yeah, anyway. Uh, so what, how can the community help? Um, you know, if people want to plug in, comocrisisshelter.com, uh, there's volunteer opportunities. Um, if we have enough volunteer interest, we'll do volunteer trainings and plug people into our virtual shelter. Um 
where that needs a lot of, you know, hotels are such an expensive intervention. We're trying to move people very quickly, and so people need almost daily contacts. You know, hotel vouchers, which has been a common um, response to homelessness, they're just not very effective because people, when people are in hotels, they kind of go on vacation and they stop addressing their issues, and gotcha. and um, so they need. We're trying to create the shelter experience of a program, but using hotel rooms because they're uniquely helpful with small rooms um, and hand-washing facilities um, with their own bathroom. They're perfect for the housing portion of it, but culturally it's just a difficult task because people are more likely to engage in substance use behaviors, get themselves kicked out of the hotel, and then not have, since their immediate need is met, to not have that sense of urgency to move towards a permanent solution. So we need volunteers to, to work with folks, keep them motivated, keep them moving forward so that we're not wasting that money and just buying a little respite, but that we're using this as a platform to move people into permanent housing or other things that fundamentally address the, uh, the root causes of, of why they are unsheltered in the first place. Okay, so give the website again, and it sounds like people can either volunteer their time or donate their money. Yes, um, yeah. it's comocrisisshelter.com. Okay. Um, and be, where do you see, I know that getting things sustainable is one of your major goals. I'm just also wondering where you're seeing things going next, if you can get this part sustainable. Um, well, Car Camp has a, been a great proof of concept. It shows a need and it shows the capacity of folks for a um, for a kind of an ongoing drop-in center and crisis triage center. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, a permanent facility um, that has better amenities than what we have here would be would be great. Um, I think there's a need for a monitored camping facility that for those folks who are unhoused. Um, room at the end meets the needs very well when they're open. Um, there are some folks who prefer to camp, but those hardcore folks with survival skills have no you know, who can camp through the winter, don't have an issue with camping through the rest of the year either. Um, but there's um, there's a need for when Room at the Inn closes to have, um, you know, some kind of designated area where folks can be allowed to camp and have access to sanitation and hand-washing facilities. Um, but in, and Room at the Inn sort of is in response to the cold weather, so this idea we don't want people outdoors who don't have the skills and the capacity to keep themselves from keep themselves safe in really cold weather. Um, yeah. And so Room at the Inn has been mating in churches and has been staffed with volunteers who are largely high-risk people. It's a lot of older folks, who church folks right. who have tended. So they've lost their volunteer base, and their model is not going to work in, a, in, a, in, a, in, the co in the era of COVID. So I know the board and in, in other stakeholders are looking at other solutions. So it's not my story to tell, but uh, but I know they're working on a solution, and I'm I'm optimistic that they're going to be able to pull something together that um, that that meets that need, uh, even not, that increased need. Uh, yeah, but it won't look like it won't look like room at the end last year. Yeah, it's going to have to look different because we yeah because of so many of our um, wise uh, wiser older folks are the ones who've been the volunteers. Yeah, so we can't split it up amongst multiple churches, which would be even more volunteer intensive, because we have to do the same thing that we've always done, but maybe twice as big, right. um, because of increased homelessness with less volunteers, and we'll either need a really big 
building that we can have social distancing in, or we right. need something like a, like a hotel-type situation where we have lots of small individual rooms. Um, and uh, probably the former is easier than the latter, and I know that, that that's what they're working towards. But it's going to take some political pressure. There is this ability to, that I can't wrap my hands around of people who can throw up their hands and say there's nothing that we can do, and it's not our singular responsibility, and isn't this a tragedy, and to nod their head solemnly and then do absolutely nothing. And that is the official response of the Columbia city government. I can't tell that our plan is not to let people die in the streets because uh, that's happened. We've had three deaths not related to COVID, but since COVID. And it's not atypical for folks to, um, to die in the streets and, never, and no one ever hears about it. Thank you so much, Mike, for speaking truth to us, helping us hear what is really going on with our community members who... Um, have fallen on hard times. There's a great story of success and triumph over adversity and pulling together within the homelessness community, and there's a terrible story of apathy, ignorance, and a lack of political will to address the fundamentals. Indeed. Well, thank you for that uh, that uh, uh, gut-wrenching summary. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> from those of us who are on the more uh, side of the, the things that we should the, the people who should be stepping up better. Um, and uh, so tomorrow is Friday, if I am oriented to calendar correctly. And so we will not have Community Pulse tomorrow. Community Pulse is a Monday through through Thursday thing. And um, uh, Mike Hagan will be back uh, with his show tomorrow. And then Monday, um, I don't have a guest, and unless something's uh, uh, interesting or un, uh, earth-shaking happens over the weekend, I am going to be reviewing the scientific data about mask wearing, uh, both its benefits and its risks, because I think that people need that information to make good decisions for themselves. Sounds good, Dr. Alleman. Uh, I thank you for joining us this morning, and uh, thank you to Councilman Trapp as well. That was uh, an incredible uh, conversation. I'd like to remind our listeners that if they are interested in doing some volunteer work for the homeless population here in Columbia, Missouri, that website once again is comocrisisshelter.com. Councilman Trapp and Dr. Alleman were discussing uh, Car Camp. We'll post some links to articles about the Paris Road Open Air Shelter on our Facebook page as well. And let's not forget that the winter will eventually come and uh, local shelters like Room at the Inn will not look the same, not in the COVID pandemic, not when so many high-risk volunteers are in fact uh, <clears throat> going to be called into action, may not be able to come into action. So thank you very much for tuning in to uh, Community Pulse this morning. Why not give the website once more, comocrisisshelter.com. We're so very pleased to be part of this community, your listener-supported and volunteer-operated community radio station. Community Pulse returns next week, Monday at 9 a.m. As a reminder, you can listen to Community Pulse live Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. Later on the day at kopn.org. We also post to our Facebook page daily. As always, should you have any questions, comments, and insights you have related to the coronavirus or indeed programming here on KOPN post-pandemic, please leave us a message at 573-874-1139 or email us at gm at kopn.org. We wish you a pleasant weekend, Columbia, and do stay safe. An abridged version of Background Briefing follows.